Hi team, it's uh, Jeff. Uh, our podcast, as you know, usually come out every Tuesday. This week, uh, in the midst of recording our podcast for the 28th, uh, right as we were finishing up our open, Mark received some bad news, some bad personal news, and uh, we did not get to finish the, the rest of the show. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I will do my part of the show um, we did uh, a good open. We had some good stuff in the open, some good uh, debuts, some good uh, just wacky stuff, and some trivia. But uh, just so you know, this is coming out a little bit late because of some personal, uh, something personal that came up. And, you know, life happens. We're not professional podcasters, so we get these out as consistently as we can. So we're a little bit late with this one. It was, again, supposed to debut on the 28th. So when you hear us talking about people that debuted on April 28th, you'll know why it's uh, it's a little bit uh, day a day or two late. But uh, we appreciate your support. We should be back next week. And we also have some some good new stuff coming up on uh, our YouTube channel as well. So uh, make sure to check out uh, the Two Strike Noise YouTube channel. So with that being said, let's get uh, into our open and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as usual, from our Seattle studios is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, good afternoon. Well, hey, man. It's sure good to be be back on the microphone and be speaking to a human being. My dogs are wonderful, but uh, this whole uh, quarantine thing, uh, I'm starting to speak their language instead of their speaking mine. Yeah, I work from home, so my all my dogs and cats are used to being uh, responsible for carrying half of the conversation throughout the day. But uh, they're also ready for me to leave the house. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I keep getting this feeling that the dogs want me out for a li- at least a little while. <laughs> well, Mark, this is going to be an interesting show because you and I have not just done a traditional two-strike noise show for quite some time. We have had a run of guests Uh, the last month, month and a half, which has been great. We've got some more guests coming up, but today it's just you and me. And that's exciting because I got some good things to talk about. Yeah, I I found out a few things that I I was enjoying reading about too. So maybe maybe this will be one of our better episodes, although that's not that difficult to do anyway. (laughs) So let's, let's jump right into BP first. I got some really, I think it's good stuff. I had to actually cut some stuff, which is always good because I've got a lot of it here. But before we get to the uh, the main bulk of the show, let's get, uh, get warmed up, limbered up a little bit so we don't injure ourselves. Yeah, stretch it out. I found a guy that I had, I, I vaguely remember him. He, he played, his one year he played was 2011. So it's... That's right. You know, we should definitely remember this guy. And once I tell you his name, we should, I I hope you definitely remember him too. He was a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. He only played for one year, only got into five games, but his name was Mark Hamburger. Ah. Do do you remember Mr. Hamburger? I do remember the name Hamburger. Yes. (laughs) Classic. Uh, Not Boxburger. Has to be confused with uh, the pitcher. No, well, Mark Hamburger was a pitcher. Yeah, no, I was talking about the Boxberger guy that pitches for, I think, Colorado. It, but, not uh, Bruce Boxleitner. No, different guy. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely. 
No, was that, but that was like a 1980s TV reference, I think. I think it was. I mean, I, you're you're reminding me of Dennis Miller there a little bit with the obscure reference. Very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mark Hamburger. I I see no mention of a nickname for Mark Hamburger. I've got to believe Meat would have been the one I would have gone with if I was able to bestow a nickname on Mark Hamburger. <laughs> I I think that's perfect. That's nothing <laughs> short of perfect. Uh, next, I want to talk a little Mariners, and I know you and I have talked this about about this before. I have talked about this ever since I was in college when this was happening, and it was kind of a big deal for the Mariners. And it has to do with Dave Valley. Oh yes, Dave Valley, classic Mariners catcher. Also, where he he went on to the Rangers and the Red Sox, I believe as well. He did, but. I definitely know him as a Mariner. That's where he spent the bulk of his career. Could not be considered really a, a heavy hitter or a hitter at all. He was you know, <laughs> mainly there for defense. He was a great defensive uh, catcher with a really good arm. Yes, he was. His defensive metrics were spectacular. Um, but if, if you remember, there was a time where there was, first of all, there was a bar near the Kingdome when that was still standing called Swanee's. That's right. Uh, but they launched a special promotion when Dave Valley was particularly struggling at the plate, and it was called Dave Valley Days. Yes. And the way that it would work was that whatever Valley's batting average was at the time, that's what you would pay a beer. You know, you'd pay that much for a beer. Yes. So at, at, at one point when this article that I dug up was written, a beer cost $1.52. Not bad. No. Even today, that, that's, well, today that's really good. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, at one point during that year, and, and I, I've, I've lost my place here as to what year it was, but at one point, it was down to $1.36. Oh, wow. Year. Wow. That's, that's a struggle of a year right there. <laughs> that is. The owner of the bar, his name was Jim Swanson. He was quoted in a story in the Kitsap Sun saying, you know, he told the door guy, if Dave Valley ever gets mad and walks into the bar to confront me, I said, give him a bat. That way I know I won't get hurt. Oh, ouch. <laughs> I remember, I remember when this story came out, you know, when it was happening and I don't think Dave Valley was a big fan. <laughs> no, I don't think he found it amusing. Um, you know, understandably so, I guess you you're out there every day busting your butt trying to get trying to hit the ball and and somebody's selling well drinks at the price of your batting average. I could see that being a little upsetting. I'll bet you he has a better view of it now. He's a he's a he still does some TV for the Mariners. And I'll tell you when the Mariners do their kind of I guess they call them players broadcast where it's Mike Blowers, Dan Wilson, and Jay Buner and sometimes Dave Valley just up in the booth just basically telling stories as the game goes on. Yes. That's good TV. That's that, really good TV. I agree. That's fun stuff to watch. Listen to those stories. So I've got a conspiracy theory here for you. Uh -oh. And uh, part of this will kind of tie into my story later today. But So The Natural, my favorite baseball movie. I uh -huh. love The Natural. Remember the Bat Boy's name? That, yes. That that creates his own bat with Roy Hobbs. And when Hobbs breaks Wonder Boy in the, in the final game and he says, go pick me out a winner, Bobby. Bobby Savoy. Bobby Savoy, exactly. Very good. Now, fast forward to Bull Durham. 
and Susan Sarandon's character. Do you remember her name? Unfortunately, uh, I do remember Susan Sarandon being in it. Okay, but do you remember her character? Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I I don't. It's Annie Savoy. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. So the conspiracy theory here is could Bobby Savoy be Annie's father? Hmm. Wow. Could, could, you know, could Bobby have fathered, you know, Annie? Because she's clearly got a love for baseball and an understanding of the game. Maybe she had a father who played the game or was around the game. Well, it could I don't, be. Bobby Savoy didn't look like he, I, you know, unless he dropped a lot of pounds as he grew older, maybe he, maybe <laughs> he turned into a fine athletic young man. Did not like reek of athleticism. No, but he was better game. looking than Susan Sarandon. So sorry. Sorry. Wow. You can take that out. Wow. Jeez. If we ever actually do like a bull Durham, like, movie review episode i'm i'm fear for what that's gonna bring oh me too Um, next one now this one i love i love this story uh and it got deeper as i did a little bit of research to it to something that i happen to be a big fan of so there's a a, first of all there's a network called freeform tv and they rebooted party of five this year oh really yeah so no jennifer love hewitt no bummer i I don't remember who else was on that show because I never watched it. But starring in this show is one Nico Gordado, the son of Eddie Gordado. No way. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) So I just for that was originally going to be my tidbit. Just, hey, look at Eddie Gordado's son is on the show. But so then I happened to just look up uh, Nico Gordado on IDBM. And realized that Nico Gordado has a re- reoccurring role on the show The Goldbergs. No kidding. Have you, have you ever seen this show? I have seen The Goldbergs. I just started watching it. I'd never seen an episode. About two months ago, I started watching, you know, I started from season one on Hulu. And I love it because it's just it's this kid growing up in the 80s. Like, I just, I can relate to it so much. But the 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 guy that wrote and produced the show, Adam Goldberg, went to school in Philadelphia where he was a classmate with Ruben Amaro Jr., who happens to be a reoccurring character on this show. And Nico Gordado plays him. Oh, my. Wow. So if you, if you don't remember, Ruben Amaro Jr. is the son of former major leaguer Ruben Amaro Sr., who was also the son to Santos Amaro, who played in the Mexican League as an outfielder. So Amaro Jr. was the Phillies' bat boy, while his father was the first base coach, and thusly was going to junior high and high school in Philadelphia, where the Goldbergs take place and where he went to school with uh, w- with Adam Goldberg. Jr. had an eight-year major league career before moving to the front office, where he was the Phillies' GM when they won the World Series, with players mostly that he inherited. Uh, He is also the GM responsible for giving uh, Ryan Howard that albatross of a contract that sank the Phillies for so long because their financial hands were essentially tied. When you give somebody that's going to be 31, you give them a (laughs) five-year contract (laughs) extension. Not a good contract. But I just thought thought that was... uh, 
because I, I, I know Ro- the character of Ruben Amaro Jr. has been on that show. And I go, I know who that is because he's a, like an athletic guy in the show. And I, yeah. I, I keep every time I tell my wife, he went on to be a baseball player and a GM. I know who he is. And uh, yeah. So I had no idea. That's that, it all. It all comes together. That's too funny. Yeah, that was good stuff because we do like to mix baseball and pop culture. Yes. Yes. We're good at it. Darn it. All right, so let's move on to our debut segment. This show is debuting on April 28th. Looking back, not, you know, we the last couple of shows, we've had a ton of people to choose from. Not so much today, but there are three guys that I chose. They're all somewhat contemporary. The oldest one is this day back in 1990, Chuck Carr made his major league debut. I remember him. O for one, he pinch hit and struck out versus Juan Augusto of the Astros. Now I thought, okay, Chuck Carr, I remember him, you know, kind of a, a an aloof guy. But I did some research, and he's there's some good stuff on on Chuck Carr. Chuck Carr was he thought very highly of himself. He was like Ricky Henderson, but without that much talent. <laughs> yes. So 1987, he's playing for the Mariners in the minor leagues. He's in Bellingham. Playing with uh, a first-year pro by the name of Ken Griffey Jr. Heard of that, that guy point. too, yeah. And allegedly, he told Griffey Jr. He said, "Hey, maybe you should find a position other than center field because that's mine." <laughs> like I said, he thinks very highly of himself. So eventually, he got to the majors, uh, was unprotected in the expansion draft, and was selected by the Marlins. Uh, he was their leadoff, uh, leadoff hitter, center fielder. I remember Skip Carey when I was in Atlanta. Uh, he would describe him, and I and I love this description. He said he would make a cup of coffee nervous. Like he was always moving in the box on base. He was always moving, and that is just a classic Skip Carey line. He would make a cup of coffee nervous. Uh, so he ended his career in Milwaukee, uh, rather uh, kind of a hasty departure in 1997. In a game, he popped out to third base on a 2-0 and count. So uh, apparently, Phil Garner, who was the manager at that point, had put on the take sign. It's 2-0, and just take a pitch. Chuck instead popped up to third base. Oops. And uh, Carr, as he came back to the dugout and being questioned by Garner, apparently said this. He said, quote, that ain't Chucky's game. Chucky hacks on 2-0. and so again, <laughs> like third person, like he's like, he wants to be Ricky so bad, but he just, he's just not. <laughs> uh, not surprisingly, he was released from the Brewers shortly after that and did not play in the major leagues again. Um, he was uh, listed as one of baseball's top 10 jerks ahead of the 1996 season. <laughs> I happened to find this list of the other nine jerks from the 1996 season. I'm not Can on there, you- am I? No, no, I think you were you were probably just fell at number 11. But can you take a guess on any of these names? Top 10 jerks in 1996. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. Um, naming off jerks. Just name jerks from the 90s. These are... John Rocker. Uh, I don't think Rocker had made his debut at this point. He was still a jerk at that point. Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> um, I... Think of uh, your all-time home run leader. Oh, Barry. Barry, Barry Bonds. Bond, yeah. sure, yeah. Thinking of somebody steamrolling Fernando Vina. 
<laughs> heading into second base as uh, Vina is just fielding a routine grounder at second. Uh, yeah, who was that? I remember that. Joey Albert Bell. Oh, Joey or Albert, whichever one he was that year. <laughs> so the rest of them, we got Steve Howe, who I didn't even think was still in the league that, in 1996. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> Kevin Brown. Hmm. Uh, Lenny Dykstra. Not a, not a shocker there. Yeah. Will Clark. Really? Who, I, super competitive guy. I guess maybe it could be seen as a jerk. Eddie Murray, who, yeah, I don't think Eddie Murray ever cracked a smile on the baseball diamond. That's a good point. Danny Jackson. And then this one surprised me. Number 10, Bip Roberts. Bip? Bip, Bip Roberts, Roberts was a jerk? Yeah. I t- Every Bip I've ever met has been really nice. <laughs> That's really odd. Well, did, I think I think uh, Vince last week, Vince Catronio had a story about Bip, and he wasn't that bad. But yeah, so there, there's Chuck Carr. There's our first one. Uh, next two will be a little bit shorter. We got 2007 on this date. Hunter Pence made his debut with the Astros. Oh, sure. He went one for three with one strikeout versus the Brewers. A little pop culture reference here. He appeared as himself in an episode of Fuller House in 2016. And he also went on to be a guest on an episode of Bill Nye Saves the Universe in 2017. (laughs) Wow. And he's got some great YouTube content. He and his wife do some really great stuff. They're, they're They're very intelligent, but they're very witty. Some good stuff on YouTube if you go and look at that. He also streams on Twitch. Uh, like a lot of major leaguers are right now. A lot of major leaguers are playing in some uh, MLB The Show tournaments, and they all stream on Twitch, but uh, Hunter Pence. And then our final one in 2012, Bryce Harper made his debut today. Oh, wow. I don't know. You ever heard of Bryce Harper? Yeah, I think. Wait, no, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of Ted, Valerie Harper? Ted Klusinski. Never mind. <laughs> so Bryce went one for three with an RBI versus Chad Billingsley of the Dodgers. Oh, wow. Debut. In 2012, Bryce, along with Bob Feller and Dwight Gooden became the only two or the one of only three teenagers in major league history to be named to an all-star game. Hmm. When he was in his youth, he played, uh, he was a catcher in Las Vegas where he played alongside teammates, Joey Gallo and Chris Bryant. Not bad. I mean, that is a trio right there. That will get you some runs. Yeah. How'd you like to face that lineup in high school? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, my favorite quote of Bryce Harper is, that's a clown question, bro. When, <laughs> do you remember why he was asked that? No, I, I remember the answer and thinking, okay. So they were in Toronto. And in Toronto, the drinking age was 19. So he could legally drink. So someone asked him, hey, are you going to go drink? And, of course, being a devout Mormon, he said, that's a clown question, bro. <laughs> Which is great. And I did lie. I got one more. Uh, This day in 2013, Nolan Arenado also made his major league debut. He went 0 for 3 with a walk versus Patrick Corbin of the D-backs. And my favorite, no, of course, Nolan Orion. I can never say his name. Arenado. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Great defensive third baseman. Good offense. Probably the second best defensive third baseman in the game behind my boy, Matt Chapman, uh-huh. uh, who happened to be on the same high school team, Nolan Arnato and Matt Chapman, a couple of years apart, but on the same high school team, had that hot corner locked down. How'd you like to have been the third guy? 
It's coming in. <laughs> just trying to. You're just some guy that's played your entire life. Right. You've only played third base, and you've always been really good. But they're like, yeah, I'm sorry, we just don't have a spot for you. <laughs> Since that initial 0 for three, Arenado's been pretty good though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on to our trivia question. I asked you last week. Who was the first player to hit a grand slam in both games of a double header? Do you have any any kind of guess? I have. I would be completely and totally taking a stab in the dark. So the answer is uh, your buddy Nolan Ryan's favorite player, Robin Ventura. No kidding. May 20th, 1999, Ventura was on the Mets at that point. First game of a doubleheader, he hit a grand slam off of Milwaukee Brewer Jim Abbott in the first inning. The Mets went on to win a, a real pitcher's duel, 11-10. to 10. And then in the second game, Ventura knocked another grand slam, this one off of Horatio Estrada, as the Mets went on to win 10-1. to 1. So <laughs> they scored 21 runs, first of all, in this doubleheader. Jeez. Great pitching performances. Oh, yes. Uh, so there you go, Robin Ventura, the first player. And we just passed the anniversary last week of uh, uh, Fernando Tatis hitting two grand slams in the same inning. Yes. Off of the same pitcher, even, Chan Ho Park. Ridiculous. Why he's, why is, how is he still in there? I don't know. That's a good question, especially when the bases get loaded right, up again. So, yeah, you got you to think. At that point, you go. You just don't let him face him again. Yeah, you just, you know what, this is looking Bad. Let's get him out of here. I know the odds are not great against another Grand Slam, but, you know, well, oh well. I mean, Tatis isn't leading off. So, I mean, clearly he he struggled the first time through the order. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. The bases again. They must have. Maybe they just, maybe the game the night before they used everybody in the bullpen, went extra innings. I don't know. Okay, so now I've got a new trivia question for everybody. We'll give you the answer next week. And uh, for this trivia question, I'm going to invoke the image of one of Mark's favorite players, Derek Jeter. Jeter, of course, spent his entire career playing for the same team, the New York Yankees, at the same position, of course, that being shortstop. So we're going to ignore any games in which Jeter was the DH and just think about his entire career playing for the same team at the same position. So our trivia question for next week is which current player has played for the same single team at the same single position for the longest so that is a current player who has played for one team their entire career is still currently playing and has only appeared in a single position so we'll give you the answer to that next week with that that's going to wrap up our pregame show uh, we'll let the grounds crew come out and do their stuff. Uh, teams are going to go in, change out their BP uniforms. We will as well. It's actually kind of hot here, so we might need to to go shower too before we get ready for the game. But with that being said, of course, Mark is not here for the remainder of the show this week, so I'm going to just jump in and do my topic, which I have been wanting to cover this gentleman for quite some time. I got to see him play for a little bit in person. And he is somebody that you might not have heard of, but you've probably heard of the record that he set. So I want to talk about Mike Hessman. So you're probably pretty familiar with the movie Bull Durham. You're probably equally as familiar with the story of Crash Davis, who was Kevin Costner's character, who has a cup of coffee in the bigs, but ultimately is a career minor league catcher. 
So much so, in fact, that by the end of the film, he breaks the career mark for home runs in the minor leagues. Well, it makes for a great plot point in a movie, but what about real-life guys who dream of big league success but instead have to settle for minor league glory? Well, let me introduce you to the real-life Crash Davis, Mike Hessman. Hessman was drafted in the 15th round by the Atlanta Braves in 1996, and like countless others drafted before him, he dreamed of a long career playing in the big leagues. What he got was a 20-year career that would take him all over the world to almost every corner of the baseball universe. Mike spent eight years in the Braves organization before making his major league debut on August 22, 2003. His first major league hit followed four days later, appropriately enough, a pinch hit home run off of Mets reliever Mike Stanton. The next two years, he shuttled between the Braves and their minor league team in Richmond before finally being released after the 2004 season. From there, he signed with the Detroit Tigers, where he played the entire 2005 season for the Tigers AAA affiliate, the Toledo Mudhens, helping them to win the International League Championship for the first time in 38 years. There, Hessman knocked 28 home runs while driving in 74. The next season, still with the Mudhens, he belted another 24 home runs. In 2007, Hessman continued his power surge, hitting 31 home runs and driving in 101 en route to being named the International League MVP. 2008 and 2009 were spent mainly in Toledo, minus a month that Mike was representing the U.S. in the Olympics, winning a bronze medal in the 2008 Games in Beijing. Great story from the 2009 season. Uh, then the Mud Hens manager Larry Parrish asked him before their last home game of the season if he wanted to run the gauntlet. That meant, he did he want to play an inning at every position in that game? Hessman was, was in. He was all for it. Now, usually when a player attempts this, it's the pitching portion of the circuit that might be the biggest concern, but not, not so for Hessman. He had three prior appearances under his belt. Two and a thirds innings, no runs given up, and two strikeouts. The biggest concern was catching. Mike's a pretty big guy. He's 6'5", 215, and they didn't have any equipment that really fit him too well. So it looked a little awkward, but he did it. He caught an inning. He worked his way around every position in the infield and then the outfield and finally took to the mound in the ninth in a save situation, no less. He got two quick outs, but then a couple of walks and an error later and the Columbus Clippers inched ahead 12-11. to Parrish went to the mound to talk to, uh, talk to Hessman. He said, hey, uh, what do you think? I'll take you out, walk off, get a standing ovation from the fans. You know, what do, what do you think? Hessman said, hell no, I want to finish this. His words, exactly. That's what he did, too. He took the loss, but he did not give up an earned run. So after being signed by the Mets in 2010, Hessman blasted another 18 home runs for the AAA Buffalo Bisons. He then headed to Japan, signing with the Oryx Buffaloes before returning to the States the following seasons with the Oklahoma City Redhawks and the Louisville Bats, cranking 60 more home runs between the two teams. Hessman finally rejoined the Tigers for the 2014 season, and on June 30th, playing for the Toledo Mudhens once again, he hit his 259th International League home run, setting the career record for the league. That's for the International League. 
Now, Hessman was closing in on the all-time record when he blasted a ball past the left field foul pole. The third base umpire initially called the ball fair and signaled the home run, but after some discussion with the first base umpire, they overruled the call and called it foul. So, I mentioned Larry Parrish before. He's the manager. He comes charging out of the dugout to argue, and he gets ejected. He gets tossed. Well, Parrish gets down into the clubhouse to watch the rest of the game on TV when Hessman, on the very next pitch after the the play had been ruled foul, uh, Parrish got ejected, the very next pitch blasts one over the left field wall, well fair, and hits off the scoreboard. Clearly a home run. Hessman trots past first, past the umpire who'd reversed the call, and kind of mumbles something under his breath, but he didn't think it was very loud. He figured, no, no problem. So he keeps circling the bases, reaches home plate, and who's standing there waiting for him but the first base umpire. And as soon as he touches home base, he gets the heave-ho, too. It still counts. Uh, the next year, August 3rd, 2015, at the age of 37, while still playing for the Mud Hens, Hessman hit a grand slam. His 433rd career home run, setting a new minor league baseball record for most home runs in a career, surpassing the record that was set by Buzz Arlett of the Oakland Oaks in 1937. Following that season, Mike Hessman announced his retirement. As I mentioned before, people have called Mike Hessman a real-life Crash Davis, but let's take a look at the two and compare some numbers. So, using some imagination, as obviously Crash Davis is a fictional character with no real numbers to look at from a 30-year-old movie, we can extrapolate that Crash played approximately 13 years in the minors, totaling 247 home runs. He also made it to the majors for an undetermined amount of time, but we know he was once there for at least 21 days. Hessman, we know, played in the minors for 19 seasons and blasted 433 long balls, 187 more than Davis. He also played in the big leagues for the Braves, Tigers, and Mets for a total of 109 games, hitting 14 home runs and driving in 33. Hessman was definitely a three-true-outcome kind of guy before it was in vogue, and he also spent a lot of his career playing for teams that were already set with their corner infield spots. He played behind Chipper Jones in Atlanta, Miguel Cabrera in Detroit, and David Wright when he was with the Mets. Now, since retirement, Hessman has remained in the game, you guessed it, in the minor leagues, now as a hitting coach, and I'll give you one guess where he was last year. That's right, the Toledo Mudhens. So, just my thoughts on Mike Hessman here. He's a guy in his late 30s still playing in the minor leagues. He's not given up. I respect that. His wife supports him, who he met, by the way, in, in the minor leagues. And But regardless of who is ahead of him in the system, though, he's taking up a spot. And, you know, even starting most of the time late in his career because these teams are trying to get him this mark. And I think one of the most impressive things about this record is beyond just the amount of home runs that he hit was that he was allowed to hit this many. He's taking away ABs from guys that might be part of a team's future, but yet he's still getting these ABs, which, you know, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I love that he did it. I love that he stuck it out, but also you got to think if you're in that system and maybe you're stuck down in double A, if you're a first baseman and you can't get up to triple A even because this guy who's clearly doesn't have a major league career ahead of him is taking your ABs, but 
you know, he did it. He, he succeeded. And as soon as he did it, to his credit, he, he hung him up. So a couple of just numbers here on Hessman. He hit 20 or more homers in a season 13 times and also owns the International League home run record, as we mentioned before. By the end of his career, Hessman had played a single game in center field and catcher. Beyond that, he pitched four times and he had appeared at every other position at least five times. Uh, He did play a bit of left field. He came up as a third baseman, and then he was a first baseman and a DH to end his career. But So there you, there, there you have it. There's Mike Hessman, a real-life Crash Davis, but uh, much more impressive numbers if you look at him as a whole. All right, so Mark might not be here uh, for the end of the show, but that's not going to stop us from playing everybody's favorite, Wax-Based Packaging Baseball Card Game. It is time for Wax Pack. Heroes. Gotta pull a wax back. Hero. All right, so today we've got a one of our older sets. Uh, we've got a 1986 Donruss pack right here. This is exciting. We haven't opened an, an older pack like this uh, for some time, but uh, we are going to play it solo and see just how I do, and see if maybe I can. Uh, I can uh, make it on that leaderboard if we were to pretend that I'm a guest. So let's first take our Beckett Baseball Card Monthly from May 1992. We'll uh, open it up here so we can find some 1986 Donruss. Uh, these are some good-looking cards uh, if you if you know what Donruss uh, in 86 looks like. And uh, just scanning it, there are some big cards in here. Of course, there's a Roger Clemens card in here that's worth uh, over six bucks at this point. And there is, of course, a Jose Canseco rookie card that uh, that is, frankly, that's just game over if you get it because that's listed at fifty five dollars back in 1992. So that would uh, if somebody gets that, I think we should just retire this game because that would be uh, that would be kind of the end all be all. So uh, there's also just a, a note here, a Cecil Fielder rookie card worth $17 at that point. So let's uh, go ahead and open this up, and uh, we'll take a look here. We have got a Hank Aaron uh, puzzle piece, but that is uh, nothing that we're going to worry about right now. And uh, let's take a look at our first card. Our first card, New York Yankees. Wow, we got a lefty here, Dave Rigetti. That guy had quite a career. Um, let's take a look here, just the back here, and see a lot of uh, a lot of games. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm assuming that Don Russ doesn't show everybody, you know, all of your stats. But wow, look at that! 108 walks in 1982 to lead the league. Um, that probably isn't the best thing. Uh, but that is uh, the card is considered a common. He is not wearing. Uh, real stirrups that we can tell, nor is he sporting a mustache. So unfortunately, we're going to start off with a big goose egg. Next, we've got, all I'm going to say is human rain delay. And I'm going to guess most of you are going to know who that is. It is the Cleveland Indians, future manager of the Cleveland Indians as well, Mike Hargrove. So there he is, Mark Mark Hargrove, famous for uh, how long it took him to get uh, into the box. Um, is uh, it's a good-looking card. He's wearing. I don't remember the Indians wearing those kind of uh, BP jerseys in a game. Maybe that's. 
I would say maybe that's from spring training, but I can clearly see that that's taken in old Milwaukee County Stadium. So uh, that is new to me that they wore those jerseys. Uh, That card is not worth anything and uh, no mustache and uh, no, uh, no stirrups to speak of. So, so far we're getting shut out here. Next, this guy was tough for the Kansas City Royals, pitcher Mark Gubaza. So here's Goobs. This is his, uh, been in the league for two years, wearing those sweet uh, powder blue unis. It's a good look. The card, however, is, uh, oh, that's nice. There's a five cent card for me right there. So no mustache, no stirrups to speak of, but uh, I do get five cents there for just being awesome. So I'm on the board. Next, uh, New York Yankees, uh, listed as a shortstop. I remember him kind of as a utility guy. Bobby Meacham. It's a good-looking card. Definitely got some real stirrups there. I don't see a mustache, but uh, I think he usually had one. But uh, Bobby Meacham, and I guess that card's probably not worth anything. It isn't, but I do get one cent for the stirrup combination as I knock the camera all out of what out of order there. Uh, So that'll bring my total up to six cents now. Next, uh, this guy's definitely sporting that 80s mustache for the Baltimore Orioles outfielder, John Shelby. The tri-colored batting helmet with the orange bill and the uh, the cartoon bird. That card is uh, not worth anything, but I will get one cent because of that sweet, sweet mustache. So that brings me up to seven cents. I'm on a roll now. Next, uh, here's a picture for the St. Louis Cardinals I have never heard of. He's wearing a, uh, sporting a great mustache though. Just a shot of his head, essentially. Bill Campbell. Looks like he needs a haircut too, Bill. Come on, you're getting your ha- you're getting pictures taken for cards today. At least, you know, go, go visit the barber or get someone in the clubhouse to shave you. That card, uh, not worth anything, I'm guessing. Uh, it is not, but I do get one cent for the sweet, sweet mustache. So uh, Bill's at least treating me right for one cent. That'll bring me up to eight cents. Uh, another guy, I am not familiar with this guy. The, these commons from 86. 86 was really the first year I really followed baseball, like religiously followed baseball. And uh, I don't know who this is. (laughs) Catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Bill Schroeder. Again, uh, just a a head and shoulder shot. And again, he could certainly use a haircut. Uh, No mustache, though, for Bill. Uh, Bill's card, believe it or not, is not worth anything. He's sandwiched uh, in the Becketts between Cal Ripken and Jim Rice, two Hall of Famers. But no value for Bill Schroeder who had uh, actually been in the league for a couple of years. Looks like he's just a solid, uh, well, I don't want to say solid, but he was a, a backup catcher. Next, I remember this guy, Roger Mason, pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. Another head and shoulders shot. I don't know if these are guys they couldn't get at spring training and didn't have a picture on file for, um, but there are these are some boring photos, Don Russ. Uh Two years in the league for Roger Leroy Mason. But uh, that card is not worth anything. 
it looks like he's trying to grow a mustache. At least he's got a good haircut. Like, you know, it's not high and tight, but he's at least, you know, doesn't look scraggly. But I'm going to say no to the mustache on that one. So nothing there for me. Next, we've got this is a good name. This is a real good name, not in terms of value, but it's just a it's just a good name. Onyx Concepcion. Onyx Concepcion, obviously a great baseball name, especially infielder. Uh, but uh, this Concepcion did not play for the Big Red Machine. Uh, but he is sporting some sweet real stirrups. There were no two-in-ones at this point. Some real stirrups and a mustache. So I get two cents right there. Onyx, uh, let's see. I'm going to guess probably not worth anything just on his own. He's not. But I do get ten, uh, two cents. That'll bring me up to ten cents total. So now I'm really racking in the bucks. Next card, I believe we've had this guy a couple of times, uh, kind of uh, the epitome of a common, Cincinnati Reds' Tom Brunnels, infielder. I'm going to assume that that just means that he is a utility bench guy that probably can tell you what his value is going to be worth as well. Uh, well, I lied because this is, uh, this is his rookie card. Yeah. I lied. Big money right there for uh, for Tom Runnels. That's five cents. I mean, I'll take that all day. That's a that's a nickel right there for me. That card that'll bring me up to fifteen cents. I'm I'm on a streak now. Okay, next. Now this is a great. This guy looks jolly. I am not familiar with him for the San Diego Padres, Mario Ramirez. But he has got some big jolly cheeks, which looks good on him. He's got a nice big bushy mustache he's at the old old jack murphy stadium there later to be called qualcomm but i always refer to it as jack murphy stadium and uh so he's gonna get me at least one cent on that uh, mustache that's probably it correct that's it but I'll, i'll take it he looks he just looks happy good for him he's getting his picture taken because he's on a major league baseball card i'm with him uh, next pitcher for the Rangers, Dickie Knowles. I do not know of Dickie Knowles, but I am here for these jerseys. This is, looks like he's either in spring training or, or just BP, but I love these Ranger hats. The the red bill, the blue hat with the white T, and uh, it looks like there's a red stroke around it. That's a good looking hat. I I would not mind if they brought that one back. But uh, that card is not worth anything, and uh, it's another head and shoulder shot and no mustache. So Dickie Knowles not helping the cause. All right, here we go. I got a Hall of Famer, and I mentioned him earlier because somebody was sandwiched between he and Carl, uh, Cal Ripken. It is from the class of 2009. I know that just because... Ricky Henderson went into the Hall of Fame in 2009. It is Jim Rice from the Boston Red Sox. So uh, I'm going to have to look up his number. I thought I could just find it and remember where it was, but I don't because I'm an idiot. Uh, So Jim Rice is worth five cents. Uh, He is a Hall of Famer, so I get another five cents, and he has always got that mustache. So that is an 11-cent card. Very nice. That'll bump me up to 27 cents. But, uh, yeah, Jim Rice, one of those guys, 
Harold Baines, uh, Jack Morris, probably Kirby Puckett, kind of those borderline Hall of Famers. Uh, I was I would have rather Ricky just gone in by himself. Uh, Joe Gordon went in as well in 2009 with the uh, from the Veterans Committee, the Yankee. I believe is his second baseman. All right, so now I'm cooking with gas. I got three cards left. Uh, this guy, I have found a ton of this guy. Not his cards so much, but he appears in several other players' cards where he is sliding into bases. This is none other than Dickie Thon, which is a great name. Dickie Thon. Got the good mustache there. Got the good stirrups, as he always did. Dickie Thon, that card probably not worth anything. Uh, It is not, but he's going to get me two cents for the mustache and the stirrups. That's a good spring training shot right there of uh, Dickie here with the Astros. I remember he was with the... uh, with the Padres, I remember him a lot with. And I want to say Dickie Thon might have gotten hit in the face with a pitch at some point and been injured. I I can't promise you that that happened, but I think it happened. And that's good enough, right? All right, I got two more, uh, two more cards here. Here is a pitcher who is deathly afraid of snakes, and his teammates would often... Uh, play to that uh, that fear in the clubhouse. It is the pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, Joaquin Andujar. And uh, that's a good spring training shot. Needs a haircut. Oh, I think 86 was a bad hair year. But uh, he is uh, not sporting a mustache. Can't see if he's wearing stirrups or not. That card is considered a common. Beckett's, that's just wrong. Joaquin Andujar. Let me just take a look at it, at some of these numbers. Uh, boy, the, if ERA, if we cared about ERA anymore, he's, he's pretty consistent there. Um, pitched, logged a lot of innings. Led the league in 84 with 261. Um, not a whole lot of strikeouts. Uh, led the league in wins in 84 with 20. And then in 85, followed it up with 21 wins. So... Yeah, at that point his record 110 and 101. So, not uh, not <laughs> before those 20 wins he went six and 16 and 83. So, Joaquin Andujar. Now my last card. Oh boy, I am. I love this card. Uh, we were we, we played another game that you'll see uh, pretty soon on YouTube, uh, where this card, not this card, but this player came into play. This is listed as. His 87 tops is listed as one of my all-time favorite cards in all of baseball. Here, his pose is almost exactly similar with the Phillies third baseman Rick Shue. Rick, really big shoe. I love this guy. Now, if you can you watch this on YouTube, uh, this looks almost exactly like his 87 tops card, which I don't happen to have sitting right here i'd love to throw it down but it looks just like it the only difference is his uniform isn't as dirty here his uniform does not have a ripped knee here and that is and he doesn't have the flip down shades here but beyond that this is a almost an exact replica of his 87 tops which i love rick shoe also i know he went on to be the hitting coach at the giants for a while i don't think he's still there but I love me some Rick Shue. He does get one cent for the stirrups, one cent for that bushy mustache he always had. 
Let's see if this card is worth anything. It's probably not. But uh, that'll be at least two cents. Uh, no value there for that card. But that is one of my favorite players. And he seems to photograph the same a lot. So that is 31 cents. Not too bad. I'll take it. That gets me. I think I beat out. Uh, I think I tie Vince Catronio with that 31 cents for the very last spot in the leaderboard at number 10. But uh, this was just for fun, just something to fill a little bit of time since Mark wasn't here for the rest of the show. But uh, that's some of those, some decent cards. I got one Hall of Famer and uh, one of my all-time favorite players in one of my all-time favorite uh, positions there for Rick Shue. So there you have it. There is Wax Packs Heroes for this week. So we'd like to thank everybody for listening once again. Again, we're sorry we're a little bit late this week, but, uh, you know, uh, real life happens and uh, we're not getting paid for this. So, you know, what do you expect? But uh, hopefully Mark will be back with us soon. Uh, we've got some something really interesting we're getting ready to debut in a, probably about a week on our YouTube channel. Uh, so where you can find the video versions of Wax Packs Heroes, we're getting ready to do something really cool along with some other uh, podcasters and other internet personalities. It does have to do with uh, Wax Packs, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. It is probably going to be just a YouTube-only thing, so I'll you know obviously throw it on our social media, but make sure to keep your eyes out for that. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that as much as uh, we have been. But beyond that, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank all our listeners. We've gotten some great reviews on iTunes and some other places lately. We really appreciate that. Thank you all very much. Mark and I both appreciate that. It's a great way to help out the podcast. Likewise, if you want to share these on social media or just tell your friends or your enemies, it doesn't matter. Just like to have fun here and talk a little bit uh, of baseball history. And so if you know somebody that might like that, why don't you let them know? You can find us on said social media. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find us there, follow us there, interact with us there. We like to talk to people on social media. And uh, until then, uh, we'd like to thank you again for joining us. Uh, hopefully, Mark will be back next week. And until then, we thank you for joining us on another episode of Two Strike Noise.